0: There's a homeowner side to the whole equation with the stress test, and that's an equity side. And equity is a massive part of Canadian wealth. And the stress test, by keeping people from entering the market at a certain level, had the result of pushing prices down. And that downward pressure on price resulted in a loss of equity and essentially stealing wealth from Canadian homeowners.
1: Hi, I'm Jason Scott. I'm the host of I Love Edmonton Real Estate.com. And my guest today is Michael Broderick. Michael is the chair of the Realtors Association of Edmonton. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So tell us, it's a spring of 2019. What are you seeing out there in the market? We are seeing the typical spring market. Things are improving.
0: We had a very, very cold February. As everybody in Edmonton knows, it was basically minus 28 for all 28 days. We've seen the typical pickup from February into March that we normally do for the spring market. However, we are still seeing lower prices than we have in the past, and total sales are still down. Those sales are up 20% from February to March. Sales are still down 13% March 2019 versus March 2018.
1: What do you think accounting for the number of sales being done?
0: Just general economic conditions have contributed a fair bit to it. The fact that the election was upcoming, there's always some hesitation before an election. People just don't know what the outcome is going to be and what it's going to mean. So they tend to hesitate a little bit before making a major financial decision until at least until after it's done. So that's had some kind of role. We've certainly seen the federal policy of the mortgage stress test have a tremendous impact on our market, on many markets throughout Canada, including having a significantly higher impact on the markets of Toronto and Vancouver that it was designed to cool. It certainly cooled them, and now they are quite cold.
1: Right, but the whole country ended up getting a dose of medicine for Toronto and Vancouver. Absolutely. Okay. What are your thoughts on the stress test?
0: I find it not necessarily fair in the way that it's implemented. It was implemented as federal policy with no regional bias, which doesn't always work. Our markets are very different. We have no such thing as Canadian housing, national housing. So why should we have national housing Policy. Real estate's hyper local. It's not just provincial or directed to a city. It's directed to a neighborhood. It can be even within a neighborhood. This part of the neighborhood is very yeah. expensive. This part of the neighborhood isn't. so yeah, block by block. Right? Absolutely. So it's not necessarily as fair. And we do things, we do regionalize things like employment insurance, for example, federal policy, but it's regionalized based on an unemployment rate in the province and whatever the economic conditions are. And they adjust it accordingly. And they could do that with the stress test. So Plus, it's also one of those things that just has far-reaching impact. It was being marketed by the government really as a way to manage debt and therefore would affect buyers ensuring they're not getting into debt too far and getting into inappropriate debt. However, there's a homeowner side to the whole equation with the stress test, and that's an equity side. And equity is a massive part of Canadian wealth. And the stress test by keeping people from entering the market at a certain level, had the result of pushing prices down. And that downward pressure on price resulted in a loss of equity and essentially stealing wealth from
1: Canadian homeowners. Especially if you're getting ready for retirement and we're planning on selling your house to fund part of that retirement. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And for that phase of the market, it's expensive. You know, I have
0: friends who have now parents who are moving into assisted living type properties they're very expensive and an extra hundred thousand dollars in equity pays for a lot of time yeah in those places we also require the market for us it's not only about price in the market it's about movement in the market so people have to come in people have to move up or down within the market and at some point people have to leave that's how the whole thing works and if we're not getting if somebody can't come in, or leave. That stalls the whole thing and then we've got nothing.
1: Yeah. So speaking as a mortgage broker, if I took the government side, which I'm not a fan of the stress test, but if I did, I would make the argument that, okay, well, this was designed to protect Canadians from themselves and make sure you're not biting off too much house and too much mortgage and monthly obligation, right? It's had unintended consequences in my view, both on, you know, potentially forcing people to rent longer. And of course, if there's more renters, that just pushes up the price of rent. For sure. What other sorts of unintended consequences have you seen? From the mortgage stress test, people just
0: not wanting to do anything. You know, I don't want to try and get in because I don't think that I can. People deciding not to leave that maybe need to leave. Again, we can look at the seniors market. Can I, I need to leave my house, we need some kind of care, we need to do this, we need to do that, but can we actually afford to sell our property that many own outright. I mean, it's all money when they get it, but even at that level of money, can we afford do things? So we're seeing that happen. I think where we also see results is typically people like to borrow from the bank of mom and dad, particularly first-time homeowners who need some help with the down payment, and often the bank of mom and dad is using home equity to fund that bank balance so they now can't you know, help the kids so that it's working that way, working against them that way as well.
1: Yeah, well, and another interesting situation would be, let's say, uh, a marital breakdown and one partner wants to buy the other person out. Right. Let's say you want to keep your kids in the same house, right? And the other partner is going to go buy somewhere else. But the stress test makes it harder for people to stay in their own home Absolutely. in a divorce
0: situation. I think what we're seeing now, too, and of course you can speak to this better than I can. I'm certainly not on the mortgage finance side of housing, but we're now seeing the impact of the stress test on people renewing which we didn't have when it first came out because people weren't renewing at that time they were getting a new mortgage so we haven't necessarily seen the real estate impact to that yet we don't know if that's going to cause people to have to say i Actually, can't be in this house anymore. I haven't seen that from the real estate side, but perhaps that will be a new reality that we have to face as we move along. Yeah. And I think, too, the stress test has caused a lot of problems for us, but the government seems to be, they're happy with it. It's achieved the desired result. They're really happy. Look at the policy we made, and it actually worked, and isn't right. life great? Right. So they brought out some new policies in the recently released budget, and they're happy about some of these, how some of these policies may address home ownership, but I believe a lot of that is some smoke and mirrors to say, you know what, look at all this great shiny new stuff because it's a thing that's really impacting you. We're not doing anything about that's that because right. it's working great.
1: Well, and we can't be seen to admit that we've overshot the mark in terms of the severity of the stress right. test, right? I mean, if it were me, okay, if we've got to have a stress test, have a stress test, but reduce that threshold. So right now, as of today, if you're buying a place and the down payment's less than 20%, Your interest rate might be 3%, but we're stress testing you at 5.34%. That's just an artificial number. It's basically a mode or an average of what the big five posted rates are. No one pays a posted rate. Mm -hmm. It only exists for calculating payout penalties and for determining now the the stress test. And if you're putting 20% down, it's whatever your contract rate is. So let's say 3% again or 3.5%. Plus two percent for the stress test, right? So maybe the answer is keep a stress test but reduce that threshold, make it real, actually, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, whatever your rate is, plus one percent or something like that, or bring back 30 year amortizations for insured mortgages for sure.
0: I think it's interesting too that. Real estate, for some reason, is always under attack from one way or another, whether it's from the finance side or the realtor side or the builder side. There's always seems to be something that is happening in this space. And I find it interesting when we look at that financing and the, the stress test, they're worried about how I'm investing in a typically over time appreciating asset, uh, not always, but typically appreciating asset. When there's really no problem with the credit card company bumping my limit every year at 29%. You know, that's where problem debt is. A problem debt is not, in my opinion, in home ownership. And I think in the long run, this home ownership is going to be important. And We've done studies at the level of the Canadian Real Estate Association about the millennial market, and there there was always some thought about well, millennials really don't want home ownership; they're looking just to rent or, or do this or do that. What we found in our research is that millennials actually do aspire to home ownership. Where they're the reason they're not doing it is they're being led to believe it's not going to be feasible. And I understand that it's very difficult to be a first-time homebuyer in Toronto or in Vancouver, but there are more places to live in Canada than Toronto and Vancouver as well. But there shouldn't be fear to enter the market because they don't feel it's going to be possible. And th- these are, this is the future generation. that We need to make home ownership possible.
1: Yeah. Well, that the government would say, we are. We're <laughs> yeah. creating this stress Absolutely. test to lower prices. <laughs> so yeah, it becomes this cash 22. For sure.
0: Sure, it's fine to have some new policies. I mean, I look at something like the new RRSP limit for first-time home buyers. They've increased that by 10,000, I guess. We don't really have the the final
1: details. So theoretically, it's now 35,000 instead of 25,000. For sure.
0: But, you know, that's... I can tell you that you know, if you say a millennial, a young millennial now, say 23 years old or something like that, at 23, I didn't have $35,000 yeah. in my RSP. I'm not sure I had that at 33. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's interesting how they do these things. And maybe you'd say, let's look at something a little more innovative. Yeah. You can put this money into your RSP tax free, or you can put money toward the down payment of your home tax-free to whatever they set a limit at then you're done that that money can just stay as equity in your home and it is what it is Mm -hmm. but now is appealing if if you have the money for example a young couple each has 35 you've got suddenly 70 grand to you can put toward your down payment it's not as though that doesn't have to be put back in the rsp and they leave that that part out it sounds much better than it is the policy that's been put forward about the cmhc equity loan again We have no detail around the policy. All we really know is that they're proposing one, 5% on a resale home, 10% on a new home. What exactly does that look like? People have said to me, you know, you need to be more positive about these new programs are being introduced. I said, it's not about being positive or negative. I can't tell you the pros and cons when I know nothing about the program. (laughs) I mean, it's being introduced as this is going to be great for home buyers, but is it going to be great? Or isn't it going to be great at? We yeah. can't really make a comment on that at this point.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of restrictions around maximum income allowed for the family, what the multiple of that income can be for the maximum purchase price. There's absolutely no word on how the government's getting repaid. Right. right? They're taking an equity stake in your home. Is that interest-free forevermore? Or are they going to get a certain percentage of whatever the upswing is right. over time, right? So. Right. And I think, you know, it's... All of this stuff is, you know, it's interesting
0: having it out there. But at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to make our way. Everybody's trying to turn a living. People are trying to keep a roof over their head. The economy has had a big impact in Alberta. I mean, Alberta has been hurting now for some time in a big way. And we see it. It takes some time for us to, to see it. You know, I think as well, you know, we talk about what happens in the economy. We look at, at housing and, and the number of foreclosures and things. When we look at it from a real estate market we don't always see the true picture of it because a bank doesn't necessarily foreclose today and sell the house tomorrow the bank has enough money they can say well there's enough houses on the market we'll sell this later on when the market is more buoyant and we'll get some money back so you know just the number of foreclosures that are being sold doesn't necessarily reflect the number of foreclosures or bankruptcies or whatever's Whatever's happening when we just look at simple real estate stats.
1: right. and that whole foreclosure process is a long process. It's not like you stop paying today and you're out of your house in you know a month or two right There is a definite process before the house goes up for sale for sure. Now, you mentioned that you know we've just had a provincial election, we've had a change in government. The United Conservative Party is coming in to replace the NDP. What sort of impact do you think that will have on the public's perception? And or none? I think on public
0: perception, I think we're already seeing, certainly for us in the real estate, board, the Edmonton Real Estate Board or Real Estate Association of Edmonton covers a fairly large geographical area where the city of Edmonton and all the surrounding communities, plus we head out into the northeast to St. Paul, Montyville, Cold Lake communities. So we have a lot of rural within our makeup and we see a lot more consumer confidence in those areas right now simply because of the change of, of government. Now that's just some general early consumer confidence that this party has made a big pile of promises (laughs) and they're gonna come in here and gonna fix all this stuff. It's not gonna happen overnight. It's nice that there's some some renewed consumer confidence and things are starting to happen, but we won't see a renewed economy instantly. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen by next Friday. It's going to take some time for all that to change. So can consumer the renewed consumer confidence remain high until things do or don't happen? I don't know. I think it could just be a little blip. It typically takes time. And the thing we have to remember in Alberta is that no revenue is no revenue, regardless of who's in the pilot seat. So it will take some time for things to change. And I don't think we can expect dramatic changes in the home market and you still you might feel better about buying but you still have to have the ability to you still need to qualify you still need a seller that can sell at a price that you can buy at so all the other factors haven't changed
1: well and the other thing is the seller has to be able to sell yeah so as an example someone who bought say in 2015 or 2016 they need to move for some reason the market's gone down and let's say they had put a minimal down payment, they may not have enough equity in the house to actually be able to sell it.
0: Absolutely. And we're seeing some of that now where you look at the numbers and say, well, you know, we understand you have to sell here. The market can't support this price. The market can support a lower price that you can't sell at. So are you able to make up the difference or do you just have to stay put? And sometimes it's not always people that can make the decision. Of, I've been transferred. I've had something happen. I have to move. Regardless of whether I have a gap or not, it's a difficult situation to be in.
1: What are some of the major concerns or, or not even concerns? What are some of the issues that or feedback you're getting from your membership right now?
0: Somewhat some still high imagery. We've got a reasonably large amount of inventory that's out there to sell. And some of that is still remaining from last year. Last year was a very slow year in real estate in Edmonton. And what happened was our typical amount of monthly new inventory really didn't change that much. It was fairly stable, but we didn't sell off the previous month's inventory as we went along. So we just kept adding and adding and adding and adding. We've reached some record inventory levels, particularly in condos last year. And we're still trying to deal with some of that and, and move inventory down to a more normal level where we really aim for a balanced market all the time. and we now have, I would say provided a buyer can buy, we have a buyer's market. And we like something that's fairly balanced where there's a reasonable amount of inventory that buyers can look at, but there's not so much that there's no pressure to actually make a decision and that the properties are actually being sold as they as they're being listed. So we're hearing a little bit of that. Uh, we certainly hear from our members about pricing that just simply, you know, they've got, it's not that they don't have clients. They have clients, as you just said earlier, they can't sell. If they want to, they just can't get to a price where that property can move. Though we are hearing from our members now post-election that there is some of that renewed confidence. Now we're just hoping that translates into into a much more uh, buoyant market, but that's yet to be seen. Right. Uh, again, we really are just on the tip of the spring market. You know, as I said, February is very cold. March kind of ramped up nicely. Spring break this year was very quiet. I think maybe the winter was cold enough that people just wanted to take a break. So, you know, really now as we move into April, and hopefully some nice weather, we'll see things, see things on the upswing. We also deal a lot with, although it's not our main thing we deal with There's certainly builders and lots of new homes out there. There also appears to be a lot of new inventory. We see some of that reflected on our MLS system, but uh, there's a lot of it that isn't sold that way. So we certainly deal with with new when you add that all together, and there's plenty of inventory out there. But we remain confident that it's good. As I said, our our market, it's the general trend of the market is the same. As always, it was slower through the winter. It's picking up in the springtime. Where those numbers get to is yet to be seen, but it's still operating like a market typically would.
1: Right. So it's not doom and gloom. No. Despite the not. fact that sales are down and right. maybe there's some weakness in prices. What do you see sort of looking out say two to five years? Where do you think we're going? And if you you know see good things ahead or bad things ahead. What would be the trigger for either result? I predict that we are on the upswing. I think
0: over time we will see things sorted out. In Canada, generally, you know, at some point in time, we'll have to move some raw materials around this country, probably in, a, probably in a pipeline. <laughs> uh, no, I, I would suspect that that will just just happen, you know, it will just happen over time. I think we'll certainly see things on the upswing as we move forward. We'll see things come back to normal. I'm always hopeful, though, uh, that we always try to learn from these things, from recessions and things. We don't often, but it would be great uh, if we do and are, are more stable. I think that uh, certainly economy-wise, I believe that at some point, Alberta needs some kind of diversification. It's just simply required. I'm not necessarily uh, of the opinion that we need to do it overnight. But people have been saying for a long time, you can't have all your eggs in one basket. And we really do. You know, even in our case, we don't even do a lot of processing of the raw materials. Here, our refining capabilities are are fairly limited in Alberta. So we really are dependent not only on oil and gas. We're quite dependent on getting it out of Alberta. So there's not a lot of diversification. I think we will continue to diversify. We'll get the oil thing sorted out and things will improve that way. And that's always good for the market. And it's good for a market like Edmonton because we're a very affordable market and always have. been. even at the peak of our market, we've still been very affordable here. We're a really great, big, small city. We have everything here. We're very fortunate to have the healthcare, education and government that we have. And in, in Edmonton it gives us a really stable base to our economy, which has been great. Calgary does not have that added uh, benefit, which saw their market hit much harder by our recession here. So I think the
1: the future outlook probably looks good. I would tend to agree with that. If you look at household incomes in Alberta as a whole, and definitely in Edmonton, your average household income here is way way ahead of most other cities, and of course our taxation's you know somewhat more favorable, maybe not as much on the higher uh, end of incomes now for in terms of income taxes, but we don't have a a PST. So I think people end up, you know, all things being equal, you end up with more money in your pocket. And yet our housing is very modest priced compared to, you know, just about anywhere in Southern Ontario or or excluding Toronto or uh, Vancouver. Right.
0: It's interesting, John, I was talking to some clients of mine the other day, And they were saying they're from BC and they're saying you actually uh, in their field, they get a premium to work in a place like Edmonton because it's less desirable, I guess. To go back to the lower mainland, you actually make less money because there's no problem attracting people to work there because people just like the lower mainland. It's a lovely place to be, but it's expensive and you may not actually make the same income you make in in Edmonton, this is a very affordable, so I always say Edmonton's a, a very affordable place to live. And you can also afford to leave when you want to because you haven't committed everything you are in just to live. You can have a holiday if you want to in February, which is really a great idea. <laughs> and needed. <laughs> yeah, needed,
1: absolutely. <laughs> so, okay, great. Any other last thoughts or comments on uh, sort of the State of the Union?
0: I just think for me, it's really important that people understand that it's not all doom and gloom. The market is still moving. People should not be afraid to sell. People should not be afraid to buy. The housing market is what it is. It's always a market that goes up and down to some degree. And uh, over the long term, a home will always be a solid investment.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Even if it never went up in price over time, you're paying the mortgage down. So if nothing else, it's a forced savings plan. Absolutely. And you need to live somewhere. You do need to live somewhere. That's very true. (laughs) Michael, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it.